Welcome back to part two of the Higher Ground Society podcast conversation with Chaitra Guduraj. Let's get to it. So we're going to shift back into getting to know more about you. Um, one of the things that I'm curious about, obviously, again, Alabama is very different from India, or, but you said you made a stop in Atlanta first before you made it to Alabama. So let's talk about what are some of the adjustments that you had to make in coming from India to America, in particular to the South, <laughs> and then even more so to Alabama and the South? <laughs> <laughs> Well, for me, the stark contrast was the number of people I was interacting with on a daily basis. Mm. So I came here on a dependent visa, which meant that, you know, I couldn't work or study. And uh, so the next day that I found myself in America, when my husband took off to work, I found the silence to be very spooky. <laughs> Because in India, it's not soundproofed. You know, you can hear everything that's going on on the road. There are vendors who are screaming. And there's, you know, people knocking on your door for sales or somebody just drops by. I I hadn't realized that there's so much of, you know, sound-wise, there's so much going on there until I experienced the silence here. And uh, I lived there for a year and a half, and I did not even know who was my neighbor. Hmm. So, and the silence and, you know, kind of, it felt very isolating and lonely. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the initial part though. And then I kind of slowly realized how I could go out, how I could make friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, coming to Alabama particularly was another big change because Atlanta is a bigger city. Mm -hmm. So there's a bigger Indian population Mm -hmm. there. And when there is a bigger Indian population, people tend to get together in groups of their own state. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So in a smaller city, less Indians, people from different states are more willing to interact. Okay. So that was one thing. And in Alabama particularly, I was uh, very lucky to get in touch with this group called Cultural Music Society which you've also been a part of. So through that and through the Indian Music Ensemble, I was able to actually interact with American students. Mm. Because as an immigrant stay-at-home mom, Mm. it can become a very, very isolating uh, thing. And you kind of get used to it, don't uh, realize how to go out, talk to people. Mm. You're always with the kid. And uh, you really don't know what's going on outside. And then slowly you start feeling like, you know, I maybe I can't do it. Sure. But uh, through these two things, they were, you know, my, um, how do I say, kind of how I could really interact with society sure. over here. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that's very fascinating. And it's very, I think it says a lot about... Um, <laughs> about you know the size of how cities can be. So if you don't mind me asking, where did you live in Atlanta? In Atlanta, we were uh, in Decatur, Decatur, I think, okay. close to Emory University. Sure. Right, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's a very, right, it's another university area and it's very beautiful too over there. Um, so, so, you, so it's almost like you went from one university 
like village within a large city to a legit the university in Auburn is it's not all that there's in in Auburn but it's a major part of it and so it kind of shifts um I'm so glad you that you told me this because I had again no idea and it was in, it's interesting to kind of trace that um experience uh I do love the fact that you pointed out the difference in noise that's also something that I learned from Ratika just in terms of you know living in different spaces there in Auburn and you know not wanting to be in a larger space by yourself because it's so quiet she, she hated it. She's like oh I hate this place it's so it's so <laughs> echoey and it's so quiet and that's very interesting to to take note uh that is a very uh interesting difference um so what are some, we talked about some of the challenges and the adjustments you have to make, but in, are there any ways in which India and Alabama are alike? Are, that's kind of a strange question. Some people might be like, what? No, they're not. But from your perspective, are there any things that are, that are similar? Yeah, actually, I think uh, one thing that I felt similar is that uh, in India also, there has been uh, you know a history of discrimination and mm. uh, people are trying to deal with it in today's day and age to deal with what has happened and what to do now how to take it forward mm. to the traditions that uh, you want to like you know it can either be given up completely all at once mm. nor can you hold on to it doesn't make sense in the modern world mm. so that kind of uh, dichotomy or uh, uh, working progress is something that uh, i've seen in india and i felt that in alabama mm. it's pretty much the same mm. that you know we're trying to deal with history and um, a lot of times you know it's like uh, people get together in pockets and experience the history in their own way mm. deal with it in their own way uh, and not as a cohesive society mm. experiencing the entire thing you know owning up to everything and uh, dealing with it as a unit mm-hmm. but as very separate pockets i see so that part is something that i found was very similar in both countries mm-hmm. so would you- and also there's probably some something to do with the southern values thing that is a bit common in both countries okay so what do you is so when you say southern values you mean they're similar and yeah, what do you mean by that let's let's let's, yeah. let's <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't know which term to use but there's something southern going on here that I can uh, relate to the southern thing in India sure. so I just use that word not nothing in particular it's just uh, probably kind of the attitude okay. uh, uh, the way people think and in india what happened is uh, most of the north faced the invasions so uh, northern culture is uh, more uh, kind of there's, there's a lot of influence from other cultures there mm-hmm. and the south has kind of been protected and uh, you know sitting by itself doing its own thing okay. so people are more rooted into what they're doing okay so so I found this whenever I traveled to, to, to Germany, actually, um, that I hope I'm getting this right. No disrespect to anybody who's might be German or whatever. But <laughs> I learned that in the country, Germany in the south of Germany tends to be more conservative than the northern part of the, the, the country. 
And I think a lot of people probably have the same conception about the Southern United States, just because, you know, it's always red, even though that's not necessarily the case, because there are a lot of uh, quote unquote progressive minded people in the South, Southern United States. Could the same be said for India in that India is a little more conservative and then the Northern part is a little bit more, I guess, liberal, or is that a difference that that's, you know, is that kind of, is that one of the similarities in the Southerness and what you meant? Yes, I think uh, a little bit of that can be comparable. Okay. Also, there's the difference between rural and urban parts. Okay. Sometimes rural parts tend to be very conservative and urban parts are much more liberal. Sure. Okay, okay. Um, so thank you for elaborating <laughs> on that. One of the other things that you mentioned earlier in was the, the discrimination in working past these things. And I wanted to kind of clarify in India, are you talking more about the caste system or is there something else that you were referring to? Yeah, there is the caste system, okay. which was, uh, you know, which had become a way for people to discriminate and to oppress. Mm -hmm. And uh, it also created, uh, I think, a huge economic uh, disparity. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the government made a lot of projects to kind of bring uh, uh, people up to speed in terms of education. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we saw that in progress, uh, it can, uh, it, it, you can see the other side of it where, you know, people feel discriminated because of the history. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who feel discriminated because what's happening in current day. Sure. Sure. And, yeah. and just to clarify for those who might be unfamiliar, the caste is, it's a very uh, elaborate system. Would you mind elaborating on what that is for folks who might be unfamiliar? <laughs> yeah. So in India, Hinduism is uh, one of the majority religions there. And it uh, has the system of uh, castes, which basically is divided into four different groups. Mm -hmm. There's the priestly class or the priestly caste, which is called as Brahmins. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Kshatriyas or the warriors, royal aristocrats uh, kind of caste. Mm -hmm. And then you have Vaishyas who are the traders and merchants. Mm -hmm. And then you have Shudras who are the labor class or the uh, working uh, caste. Mm -hmm. So it probably emerged as a way of society to function mm -hmm. with each having his own role but it uh, did take a turn for the worse when, you know, said this is number one, number two, number three, mm -hmm. and number four. And you're the last and I'm the first. And uh, things like that. And people not being given the right to uh, get an education. Mm. And uh, be people being put into bonded labor. Mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that mm -hmm. happened. And there was a, a huge inequality. Mm -hmm that happen and i think that when things like that happen it takes generations sure. to kind of uh, correct things that have gone wrong mm -hmm. and uh, it takes a lot of uh, dialogue mm -hmm. it uh, change cannot happen when people are in their own uh, pockets like in their own group not communicating with each other, mm -hmm. just, you know, making laws and trying to have some systems that work. Mm -hmm. 
So that is one thing that I found is uh, common in both places, the, the need for a dialogue and to have a day-to-day contact and to kind of mingle, mm-hmm. get to know each other and, you know, uh, realize that end of the day, you know, we're all human beings. Absolutely. That's, wow. I couldn't have said that any better myself. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> I have those same, those same thoughts and in, 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 uh, in perspective. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, and just to make the connection with, you know, the Southern um, part of the United States, again, you know, things have been kind of uh, stratified in our American society and, and when you when we talk about caste, there's one book actually that was released not too long ago. Uh, actually, let's see, it was released actually just that doesn't sound right, but I don't know. It was released in 2020 of August last year. I thought it was older than that, um, but it's a book called Caste: The Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson, and she talks about. Um, specifically how American society has been kind of organized in these unofficial caste systems, wherein you might have, you know, um, and it's by race or how race is viewed as a kind of a caste system within the United States. So if you're interested in that and and, and examining the the, uh, similarities between uh, India and and the United States in that regard, or, you know, just trying to connect the dots, that's a book that I'll just throw out there for people who might be interested in in checking out. Definitely. For sure. So the thing with the, I think that I found was different in terms of discrimination with caste and with discrimination with regard to race mm-hmm. is that um, caste, it takes a little bit of time to figure out mm-hmm. because people look alike. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, you know, you can make out, you know, because of the state differences, there, there is some uh, differences uh, in appearances. Mm-hmm. But it takes a while for a person to figure out you need to talk to them, know their background. So until then, at least you accept that, you know, they're both uh, human beings or Indians Mm -hmm. until that point that the mind would work like that. But with race, you know, you just enter a room and, you know, you can feel the difference. It's, It's very in your face. I bet. So (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I think... It, it's it's a matter of uh, kind of getting used to, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we need to see more th- more of each other, talk to each other more, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully, you know, there'll be a time when it's all good. Absolutely, that's what we're striving for. Yes. Uh, so let's kind of shift back more to the to music. We talked about this being kind of an outlet for you once you moved to Auburn. So there's a cultural music society. And there's also the Indian, um, the Auburn University Indian Ensemble. Can you tell us, uh, so I'm guessing Cultural Music Society was already established whenever you arrived? Yes. So the Auburn Indian Music Ensemble came first. So there was a professor, you know, Dr. Raj Chaudhary, who Mm -hmm. kind of uh, brought it into being. He founded it. He made made uh, you know this course uh, as a one credit course for uh, students in the university to be able to uh, get the Indian music experience, mm-hmm. and uh, it's also offered through the outreach program. So members from the community can also join in. So it actually becomes a very fun group mm-hmm. because you're not really uh, going there for the grades or for you know. It, 
or for some kind of professional achievement but you're just going there to get the feel of that music and you know see what's going on okay. and you have uh, when you have people who are not uh, even getting a credit out of it you know they're just doing music for music mm-hmm. it, it it's a very very uh, fun group mm-hmm. and uh, this is again a place where i saw how music can bring people together mm-hmm. so we saw different instruments coming together since it was uh, founded uh, by a north indian group we had a lot of north indian instruments with okay. us so when i became the director of the music ensemble i bought in a lot of carnatic elements to it yeah. but the north indian instruments again <laughs> flowed with it <laughs> and we also have um, you know sam price playing the udu which is an african instrument mm. but it lends itself so beautifully to carnatic music mm-hmm. it kind of sounds like the ghatam the earthen pot mm-hmm. so you know it has become an indispensable part of the music now nice so we have uh, 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 different people coming in with their own talents like you know more we ha- we've almost had always had one guitar player in the ensemble and uh, the way it lends itself you know the way we can create beautiful music using all of the talents that come in each semester it's it just uh, shows a whole new way of how music can be a language on its own and we also have uh, students coming in from different uh, departments within the university mm-hmm. surprisingly we've had a lot of people coming from the physics department ah okay <laughs> so do you talk about music and mathematics right? right and we've actually seen that many engineers in the group and you know anthropology music students mm-hmm. art students people from you know core uh, math backgrounds mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a very interesting mix and everybody is trying to learn to figure out what's going on there's no pressure of having to achieve something or race against time so and we develop the music on our own mm-hmm. we take a piece okay. see what all each person has to offer mm-hmm. kind of build on that and present that at the end of the semester so it's a beautiful experience it sounds like it and i've definitely been able to um to witness you guys in concert uh it's been and it was it was fantastic it was like kind of like your for your experience that you had before you got really heavy into music it was like wow this is you know you were just you know blown away um and one of the things that really you know impressed me was that there the the lot a lot of the people who were in the ensemble were not native speakers to any of the indian languages <laughs> they were yes being really honest a bunch of white folks <laughs> and i was like but there's oh, you guys are up there singing and performing this music in this other language and i was like wow that was so incredible like just just imagining all the work that went into learning that i thought it was very very impressive a lot of hard work and it all paid off it was an incredible experience um so Um one of the the, the other songs that we were going to talk about actually is songs that you actually performed with them uh the the Auburn University Indian Ensemble and that is Tamburi Mitdaba Mhm Tamburi Mitdaba right
Okay, so tell us about uh, about this piece. So this piece is composed by Saint Purandara Dasa. He was considered as the father of Carnatic music. Oh, okay. So this falls in the classical uh, music genre, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, his music was lost. So we only have the words now for mm. his uh, kind of poems. Mm. So somebody contemporarily, somebody has set it to tune. And uh, in classical music, usually it's both of them come together. You know, the composers are singers and songwriters. They would have mm-hmm. written their own songs. That That is how the tradition has come about. Mm-hmm. But uh, we have this genre of uh, taking from the poems of the past and setting it to tune. So this falls in that uh, genre. It's called as Devaranama. And in this song, he talks uh, about how the arts can be a way of uh, reaching the divine. Wow. So, yeah. Tamburi Miti Dava is the one who played the tamburi. Tamburi is a acoustic string instrument. It's a drone, actually, with four strings. And that's like a curtain of sound that goes on throughout in uh, classical music all the time. Mm-hmm. So, so the one who played that, the one who tied bells to his feet. So dancers usually tie bells to their feet in Indian classical music. Cool. So he's sure to reach God. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. So whenever I, I will admit, I had to rely on Chaitra to do the selections. Because all I knew is that all these songs sounded great and sounded you know, beautiful. And so that's all I knew. But whenever we talk to these, these interviews, I want something to be put, pulled out of the, the, the songs. And that's incredible. <laughs> that's because that's exactly what, you know, Higher Ground Society is all about. You know, how, the, how important the arts are in the arts and humanities, but how important the arts are in, you know, our everyday lives and how they transform us and how they can connect us to things that are just, you know, beyond our immediate um, environment. So this song just took on completely new meaning for me. Thank you so much for uh, elaborating on that. Um, that's, so that's the general, inf- like, overall arching uh, concept of the song. Are there any lines in this one that stand out to you in particular that are just, you know, particularly beautiful or, you know, that, you know, are meaningful to you? Yeah. So... Ganava uh, Padidava uh, means the one who sang or who did the singing. Hari Murti Nodidava. He saw the Lord. Okay, okay. So, love- uh, yeah. <laughs> so he, then the end, this is Vaikuntake uh, Odidava. So he just ran towards heaven. So music is a like quickest path to salvation. Wow. That's one of the principles uh, in Indian uh, culture. So he emphasizes that so much in the song. Mm. Also, the tune is you know equally uh, kind of very um, deep. The raga mm-hmm. can have a very uh, deep, meaningful sound. And it has its own uh, way of creating that mood. Mm-hmm. And also, the way it is set, it can also be catchy. So, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the uh, thing about the 
song and we enjoyed it and we learned it in such a short time uh-huh. we had spent a lot of time that semester learning a more uh, involved classical piece so i didn't know if we would have the time to do this but then i just put it out there and everybody loved it and picked it up so fast we just actually presented it on stage nice. see the nice. contrast of the two flutes in the song mm-hmm. one is a western flute which is made of metal mm-hmm. and there's the indian flute that is uh, made of wood okay sometimes we use that or we have the indian style of playing and you know a western flute that has been adapted to perform this song with a little bit of uh, these kind of movements and we have the veena uh, rasika is playing the veena and it's one of the oldest indian instruments available mm-hmm. so and we have tabla so there the drums dr ameya kolarkar a physics professor he was uh, playing oh, wow. that okay yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So and uh what is Sam is also playing something is Sam's playing the udu. Okay, okay, the udu. Sensible udu. <laughs> That's so funny because I think it's his udu and it's at his house and I play with it all the time. I had a, no idea what it was called. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you for telling me um, what that was. Um it's 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 an incredible performance. And one of the things that I noticed so whenever and we'll actually include a link to this song on our social media whenever we share this the show um but and you can watch them actually perform it and so everyone's sitting down on the floor yes um and two lines and um all those instrumentalists are they have their instruments there's also one person playing is it the it's not jingle bells but it's like this bells <laughs> Yeah, Indian bells. Indian bell. the, something that you tie to your uh, feet when you're dancing and use it for singing also. So that's called gedje. Okay, that's beautiful. Gedje. <laughs> gedje, yes. Um so we have that going on as well. And then one of the things I noticed too and I want to ask, and I know I've asked you this before, but I forgot, so forgive me. <laughs> but there's the the patting of the leg in a rhythm and then you kind of switch it up. so your palm is hitting the top of your leg and then you switch it up to where your palm is facing up can you g- explain what's, what's happening what's going on yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's a part of the south indian music aesthetic it's called as tala where we are keeping time mm-hmm. with the palm on the lap by beating on it okay so we are doing a cycle of eight beats and the way it works is beat 1 is just a beat then 2 is with the finger so we use the first three fingers to denote the next you know beat so this 1 2 3 for then again beat and then turn your palm beat turn your palm that makes up a cycle of 8 okay and uh, this is especially useful when we're doing uh, improvisation mm-hmm. because people do calculations like that would amaze a scientist yeah <laughs> <laughs> so all the accompaniments i have to keep uh, keep up with what's going on mm-hmm. and the audience has to keep up with what's going on yeah so this is a very good marker of time it's called as tala okay that's brilliant yeah I, yeah i'm glad i asked that again and i will definitely watch it again and try to you know hone in on it and make sure that i'm i've taken my lesson just now <laughs> it's a heart um thank you so much for sharing that and going into detail about that song again uh hang tight to the end of this show of this episode to hear tamburi mitdaba uh and all of its its glory because it's a great song uh, so as we close out here i have just a few more questions to ask 
specifically. So we've kind of made a journey really with you from India. You know, you <laughs> talked about your origins there and how you came over. Now you've been in Auburn for about 10 years or roughly yes. 10 years. Yes. And um, so what are, what are some of your favorite things that you've come to like about Alabama? One of my favorite things is that, you know, it's part of the green belt. So oh. I love the greenery around. Mm-hmm. The sense of, of space. Mm-hmm. I'm getting much more used to the silence, you know, <laughs> because I have this beautiful music to fill it up with. Ah. Mm-hmm. So the greenery is something that I absolutely love and adore. Mm-hmm. As a family, we've been, you know, into hiking and camping. Okay. As those are some of the things uh, it's a little harder to do mm-hmm. in a city in India mm-hmm. and which we can do it much more easily here. And uh, it, it is just beautiful to, you know, watch the birds from your window mm-hmm. and listen to a natural soundscape. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely beautiful. And another thing that has been very good about Alabama for me is um, interacting with people from all over the world. Mm. In Cultural Music Society, I was able to do music with an Iranian group of students. Nice. So those are some things that I I did not have the exposure to. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. You know, you've seen Andrew with the... Hawaiian guitar, mm-hmm. and uh, we had some people from the Central Central America. Mm-hmm. You know, you have so many different instruments, so many different types of music, and uh, just being able to do that is uh, it's a big bonus for me in mm-hmm. Alabama, and to be able to interact with uh, different people because there's so much of diversity here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really like that. I've been able to make uh, friends Mm -hmm. with uh, many different groups and, uh, you know, I can see different uh, perspectives of how uh, each one is thinking, you know, how it has affected uh, my friends personally Mm -hmm. to be able to understand their point of view and to be able to do music and that's that's just been the best part that's awesome yeah i think i think that's very important for people to understand i think one of the um the the negative things that we we fight against in alabama and the rest of the world is there's this idea that alabama is just backwoods there's nothing really there um (laughs) You know, it's, and that's so not the case. There's diversity literally everywhere in the state and not just in the larger cities. Um, there's something going on in pockets all over the state. There are all kinds of people in the state, just as you've, as you've mentioned. And um, they're doing their own things. They're creating beautiful things and living. Um, and again, I think this comes up in every episode. This is the communities in the state are so rich uh, and it, it's worth being a part of. And so I'm glad that you've been able to connect in that way um, with it. It's very, I can see it uh, in, your, in the way that you talk about it. It's definitely impacted you. So um, thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, and with this in mind, um, what is we, I ask this of every person who comes onto the show, because you know the show and the organization is all about thinking forward and, and thinking of ways that we can move forward with the, the state. And so I'm gonna ask you, what is your hope for Alabama as we move forward? Well, I feel that uh, as a society, 
a lot of people as adults have uh, found a way of talking so that it's politically correct mm. but uh, the unfiltered thing can be found in children because they just imbibe the thoughts of people around them mm-hmm. and uh, you know sometimes kindergarten can be a brutal place yes. <laughs> because they're they're not bothered about being politically correct or right. whatever mm-hmm. so uh, if there's a change in the society i think we can see the reflection on it of it in the schools in mm-hmm. children so my hope for alabama is that it becomes a place where you know a child can go to kindergarten a child with any any background you know nationality language mm. religion color any child can just go into class and not have to worry about being able to make friends mm. see that in children i think that is when we know that the society has made progress sure that's yeah that makes a lot of sense because you know when he used to said it best the children are our future right and so if we can you know uh ingrain them ingrain ingrain that in them at an early age that becomes a habit and an experience that they can carry on with them into adults and then our adult society is less problematic hopefully <laughs> you know at that point because they have that that base that's a beautiful sentiment and no one else has actually said anything like that so i'm glad that you put that into our little bucket of hope for Alabama because we need that um, for sure. Thank you uh, so, so much. Thank you so much in general for this conversation. I've learned so much. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Cheryl. It's, it's been great talking to you about this. You know, it's, you're a very good friend and we've done music together. And the minute I see you, I can only think of what are you going to sing now? And this is <laughs> probably the first time we're sitting and talking about so many of these, you know, issues. And it's it's been a great experience thank you of course of course and we will not we're not done making music together mind you i will <laughs> I'll be back soon um so before we head out um are there any things that you're involved with now um that you would like the people to be mindful of or can we find you on social media uh to hear more of your music share, share that with us definitely so with the auburn indian music ensemble we do perform locally Mm. So we've been to Tuskegee and we performed there once. It was a whole bunch of uh, fun and we got to meet so many interesting people there. It was really, a really, really good experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've performed for the International Women for Peace and Understanding Mm. at Auburn. So we, we have very different, you know, different experiences when we go out to perform and it's it's been really good so we put up some of our performances and the ones that we do at the end of the semester at the university on our youtube channel the urban indian music ensemble okay. so that's where uh, people who want to see what's going on and how you know how it's done can find us okay. and uh, i i'm also doing a couple of songs indian songs that are set in auburn like in in alabama mm-hmm. like i said you know i just love the nature that's out here mm-hmm. so i have uh, recorded a couple of songs with just vocals mm-hmm. and nature as a background 
all within 10 miles and trying to reach out to different genres within indian music mm-hmm. so if you want to take a look at uh, those videos you know with the beautiful uh, setting the scenery that is there in alabama and indian music along with it that's how i feel it's not like i'm singing and that's the background i feel like there's this all this beauty here and the you know music is kind of complementing that so i've done some songs like that you can find that on my channel chaitra gururaj uh so uh i'd be really happy to connect with musicians who want to try something different yeah. i'm open to doing you know uh different genres bringing people together through music mm-hmm. that has been a very eye opening experience for me and it's kind of made me uh how do i say this kind of more rounded a person i okay. feel mm-hmm. like my mind has expanded and i've just loved what has come out of it so i strongly believe that music is a means of cross cultural understanding Absolutely. the best means probably Absolutely. so uh i'd be happy to connect with artists all over and particularly with gerald crook <laughs> so Well, I'm coming. I promise. We're going to do I I I I don't I haven't written anything lately, um but I do know you are very very close to my mind whenever it comes to making music. You're definitely a uh, a music a music partner for sure. Um so what well, so The Higher Ground Society reminded me of your song Take Me Higher, which is probably one of the first songs that I heard you sing. Ah, okay. And yeah. I was like, "Okay, it's that song. It's become a society now. It's like, you know, the- feeling right that's the feeling behind the songs the feeling behind what you're doing now it's great work that you're doing Gerald absolutely i've loved your podcast thank you so much um um you've definitely made it better i feel like we've taken it up a notch for by having you um so and we'll definitely include links to all of um Chaitra's work so be on the lookout for that and um yeah once again thank you Chaitra and uh stay tuned for the the music that Chaitra has created or shared with us and and beyond that tune in later this month for our next episode all right namaste thank you yes <laughs> <laughs>
you just heard Tamburi Mitidaba, performed by Chaitra Gururaj and the Auburn University Indian Music Ensemble. I'd like to thank Chaitra once again for joining me in conversation as we reflect and observe the Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month this month. I'd also like to thank Jasmine Garfield for producing the music used during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the Higher Ground Society podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you can catch us on our next episode. Until then, peace.